Hi there, Daryl Jenkins for Drone Economics. Today we're going to uh, discuss Chapter 6, which is on some macroeconomic issues and policies that are needed to move forward to take the drone industry from being an infant nascent industry to something a little bit more mature than it currently is. This was an interesting chapter for Bijan and I to write. It could have easily have been the longest chapter in the book. It could have easily have been a book. Uh, and in fact, it's the shortest chapter in the book. There are some reasons for this. Uh, one, I think some of the uh, uh, topics that we're covering in here, uh, for example, privacy, are just a tad out of our uh, area of expertise, uh, as is safety. So we cover these things uh, briefly in this chapter because uh, our knowledge base on this is uh, easily diminished. Uh, it's uh, put the rest uh, with <laughs> a couple of pages. There are people out there who are very good at this and we'd like to work with them on uh, something longer on this at another time. But uh, Bijan and I uh, thought it was important to include these issues in here uh, at the same time, just so you know, we don't consider ourselves uh, real experts in this area. We have a little bit of discomfort uh, when we discuss some of these issues. So chapters four and five, which we've already gone over, dealt with microeconomic issues. Uh, microeconomics, remember, is kind of industry-related. Macroeconomics is kind of more a large picture. Of you're at 30,000 feet and you're looking over uh, all of the surroundings. Uh, and this chapter deals more with those uh, issues. They, they are weighty, they are significant, and they're very important. Um, um, there are a number of times this industry could have been derailed in its very first days. Imagine what would have happened in the hysteria that would have been created if a drone uh, was had been flown over a group of people, it had fallen out of the sky and somebody was seriously injured. Think what, what it would have been like five or six years ago, something like that had happened. I've been involved in, uh, during the 1990s, every major airline crash that happened. I was uh, on site and an observer in one way or another up until 9-11. Um, on these and I remember the hysteria that was created through each one of these and the knowledge of flying and how safe it is is held by all but that notwithstanding uh, hysteria was created over each one of these. Uh, let's start out with some issues here. Uh, one of the perpetual and perennial problems that we have is the dearth of data. Bijan and I are both data people. We're very analytically oriented. Most of the research that we do uh, involves a great deal of uh, large amounts of data. I do, a, uh, uh, my background is in airline operations and uh, before that it was in airline pricing. I had reams of data. You can't even imagine how large the databases I had to uh, work with. On operational uh, sites, we had uh, entire databases of all the flights flown all over the world. I mean, just reams and reams of data. Um, we have very few public databases now with drones. AUVSI, thanks to the uh, 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 incredible work by uh, my friend David Klein, uh, has put together a robotics database, uh, which is worth mentioning. Uh, David's uh, efforts on this are, are noteworthy and exceptional. Outside of that, we have little. I think David has probably, arguably, one of the most uh, complete databases of uh, airframes uh, uh, that exist in the world. I know there are a couple other out there, and I'm sure they're good. D David's is exceptional.
uh, of some of the problems that we have uh, have to deal with uh, uh, the states and the laws that have been passed in many of these. Uh, these were done at a time when emotions were flying high and there was and they were not based on any data or facts whatsoever. Uh, public policy governed by emotion is never good. It's about the uh, worst thing we can expect. Let's let's take uh, one of the uh, more interesting issues to start out with, and that's privacy and security. Um, privacy is the right people have to live their lives without uh, unnecessary and involuntary interruption in their routines. Uh, most of the worries and concerns about drones have to deal with uh, uh, privacy. Uh, uh, and, and some of these are, are really quite real. We're not going to uh, denigrate people who are concerned about uh, privacy at all because we think these are real concerns. Uh, photo quality of drones is uh, constantly improving. Uh, the ability to do facial recognition with artificial intelligence is becoming more and more real. In countries like uh, uh, China, uh, they're really quite uh, advanced in, uh, in these technologies. The United States is a laggard to the Chinese in many of these things, but nonetheless, uh, worldwide and within uh, the United States, uh, uh, these things do pose problems. Uh, these are real problems and we need to have uh, intelligent discussions on them. Uh, some of these technologies are being used uh, for crime, weather, traffic monitoring, and with these you, you always have potentially legal burdens. Uh, I live in an area where we have a, a very responsible uh, police force. Uh, the, the sheriff is a, a true veteran and a professional. And then we don't have some of the issues out here where I live that uh, other places have. Uh, and the reason why is where I live, the police live the laws that they're also trying to enforce. Uh, so we need to uh, have uh, uh, well thought out um, regulations that uh, recognize boundaries between uh, uh, privacy and security and uh, people's rights are protected. Um, depending on who you talk to. Um, Drone hacking is or is not very difficult. Uh, I know an awful lot of kids who tell me uh, hacking a drone is about the simplest thing that they can do. Uh, Ted out of my area expertise and I do believe them when they tell me things like this. Uh, just in terms of definition, spoofing is when uh, uh, you hack a drone, you feed it false GPS coordinates and think the drone believes that it's following its original flight path and it's being led to a different location. And I think as you uh, uh, consider uh, what could be done with spoofing, uh, it's, it's quite scary, isn't it? Uh, hijacking the command and control signal between the operator and the drone can, drone can deliver full control of the drone and its system to the hacker. These are all things that you want to, uh, to avoid. Um, the uh, software and firmware that you use needs to be updated regularly. Uh, use a very strong password. Um, subscribe to a virtual private network. I mean, there are things you can do, uh, but they, these are all big issues. And let me tell you one, just with the ba basic introduction that we've given you here, we have in no way, shape or form um, uh, covered the issues uh, uh, that deal with security and threats. Safety is an interesting one. Uh, here we're referring more along the line to how a drone operator uh, operates uh, the drone. 
Uh, and this has to do with uh, uh, two things. One, the quality of the drone and also the quality of the operator, their ability to uh, uh, maintain full control of operations and that they have uh, sufficient training and expertise in order to be able to accomplish their mission safely. One of the things that uh, we talk about uh, often is the concept of redundancy. Redundancy is kind of the foundation of uh, airline safety. Uh, think of how many um, backup generators there are on a, on a Boeing 747 or an Airbus 380. These, these are planes uh, that fly uh, very long distances. And if a generator were to go out, a single generator to go out and you had no backup, you would be in pretty serious trouble. So you know that there's going to have to be at least two, but most of these large planes are equipped with four uh, generators, the lead generator and three, three backups. And if you're down to only two, you have to declare an emergency because if you lost that one, you would only have one left. So that is a really good example of uh, redundancy and the role that it plays in security. And one of the things going forward in, in, in terms of moving from hobbyist to real commercial drones, especially when we get to beyond visual line of sight, where we're flying longer distances, is the whole idea of uh, redundancy and having redundant systems in the drone. One, one of the things, and I, I, you've heard me uh, discuss this before, is the appalling lack of standards. Uh, in the drone industry. Part 107 is a standard, but it's a very low standard. Part 135, when we go to beyond visual line of sight, is in fact a worthy standard. And it's the first time that the industry will be uh, uh, faced with uh, worthy standards. Uh, there are other standards that we need. Uh, think about any field that you work in, uh, and you can uh, start listing things or standards are important. The, the whole thing of standards is that they push us to uniform operations and it makes it easier for people to know uh, what is real and what is smoke and mirrors. Um, talk about some of the progression of the uh, drone industry uh, over time. One of the things, and, and, and some of these things show us uh, uh, the, the level of maturity. Uh, when I uh, first became aware of drones, uh, it was a hobbyist industry. If you were doing anything commercial, at that time it was uh, part of a black market. It was unregulated and it was unlawful. This was in 2013. We're in 2021 now. It's just eight years ago. Uh, we had maybe a, a handful of conventions. Now every year you'll see uh, 60 to 100 different conventions of varying types and forms. One of the things that we don't do yet at all is data sharing. So even in the airline industry, which is excessively competitive, certain uh, data uh, is shared between airlines relating to safety and operations because the industry, even though it's kind of crazy in some aspects of it, hyper competitive realizes that the need to share data makes everybody safer and better. We have some education programs, but at a local level, uh, training uh, reporters, uh, government officials, and others in uh, how drones operate, their uses, uh, the legalities, and things like that is, is uh, the, the lack of it's appalling. We certainly need to do more there. Uh, insurance companies, we see more and more insurers coming on to the uh, 
uh, into this field and the ability to get insurance to do with just about anything with a drone now is becoming fairly easy. And that's that's a sign of, uh, of, of growing maturity. We see some professional accreditation, but very little. Uh, most of it is uh, uh, part 107. And you know my thoughts on that. Public acceptance is increasing, but we certainly need to do more. And a lot of that has to do start out with uh, uh, training reporters, uh, government officials, uh, people at local levels uh, about uh, drones. We have some perfectly good trade groups out there and we have some perfectly good uh, trade magazines out there as well. And all of these things are encouraging and as we see a proliferation of these things, the industry is moving towards a more mature base. Uh, in the last five years, we, we have seen this uh, uh, increase in the number of uh, trade and others out there. Uh, some universities are offering uh, drone-related uh, programs, uh, including some which offer uh, two-year degrees. Uh, these are kind of the more technical aspects. And we see a growing number of universities offering master's degrees. Uh, right now, probably last year, we saw 100 PhD uh, dissertations being done on drones. And that's a good number. And following the master's thesis and uh, PhD dissertations is a very good way of seeing the directions that uh, drones are headed. Uh, research like this is always forward looking and it tells us, gives us a glimpse of where the industry may be five and 10 years from now. Uh, while we are seeing increasing public acceptance, uh, we all need to be doing more to uh, improve uh, community relations and make the uh, uh, a local city and uh, a county and state governments more aware of what uh, the benefits of drones. Data sharing. Data sharing is so important. Uh, we need to know operational data. Uh, we need to know safety data. Now, part of the, um, uh, the FAA's uh, 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 data with uh, uh, test sites, remember when we had the six states and they had test sites, was the Test sites had to share data, but since this was done by pub or by private companies, it was all non-disclosable. So we really, uh, all the, uh, the uh, benefits we thought were going to come out of the different test sites, we've really received very little, if any, uh, good public data that we could use for peer-reviewed studies. Uh, peer review is kind of the gold standard here. Uh, it's one thing for uh, me or somebody else to sit down and, and write something. It's another to send it out to people who are, are peers and have uh, credentials and uh, uh, knowledge of an area and have them review it and submit it to you and then uh, go back and forth in this process. So peer review is the gold standard here. And uh, we've seen uh, the, of all the public money that we've seen spent on this, we have very little uh, peer review that, that, that has come forward from it. Uh, standards are simply benchmarks. We uh, uh, need these in the go forward. Uh, uh, standards are just essential and it's something that we're all ignoring right now. A platform functionality. Let's spend a minute on this. This is kind of one of my one of my bugaboos, I guess is the right word. Uh, in young Dave Klein's database, uh, they, they give us a great deal of information about uh, platforms and what they can and cannot do, but we see very little uh, uh, operational and, and performance data. Uh, so pretty much any company can kind of give you more or less of uh, what type of a crosswind you can fly in. But beyond that, 
in terms of operational weather data, we, we have very little. Um, uh, can we fly in rain? If we were flying in rain, what are our boundary conditions? The same way for snow. So what are the boundary conditions for snow? What are the boundary conditions for rain? Well, we just don't know any of these things, do we? Uh, as the uh, tailwind increases, what does that do to the battery performance? Okay. All of these are operational issues of which we have very little data. So the functionality of a platform is a very important thing. As someone who spent his lifetime in operations, uh, think of it like this. On, on a plane that had two million parts, I knew the mean failure rate of every single one of them. And knowing the mean failure rate allows me to have a maintenance program, which was kind of one of the marks of a mature industry and being able to fly safely is having the uh, uh, correct uh, a maintenance program and gathering maintenance data. Uh, how often do uh, components fail? Uh, which are their manufacturers or components fail more often than others? But we need to know this data and we just don't have it. There are one or two uh, software companies out there uh, who are beginning to do this now. I congratulate all of them and this is certainly uh, something we need more of. Well, that's it uh, for today, folks. These are all important issues. Uh, they're very interesting. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. Hope you all are having a good day. Thank you very much.